There are times when preparing to teach God's Word, sometimes you can be guilty of oversimplifying the obvious. Sometimes when you use illustrations, people remember the illustrations more than they do the message. This morning I drew your attention to what scripture teaches happens at salvation. Scripture says that after listening, you believe, you come to the firm conviction that what God's word says is absolutely true. And as a result of that belief, that was a result of that conviction, you order your life accordingly. Scripture says, when that person comes to that place of belief, placing their faith in Jesus Christ, that they're sealed. They're sealed up in Christ with the Holy Spirit. Someone came to me after the service and they said, can I have the jello? <laughs> they can get it after the service. I ended the service though this afternoon saying that I believe God wants us to take this to another level. I believe God wants more out of just being here. And it's with that in mind, shall we pray? Father, we stand in awe of you and who you are. Father, as we look at you in scripture and we follow you the whole way through and watch what you're doing and look at all the plans that you put in place just so that mankind, human frailty, beings who would be prone to sin could still have a relationship with a holy and awesome God. God, thank you. And it's in times like these, dear God, that like the song Brother Anton just sang that makes us just yearn and long for you. It's times like these, dear God, that we wish we didn't have to wrestle with sin. We didn't have to deal with the stuff of life just to be able to Enjoy your presence. Enjoy being with you and knowing you without all the distractions. But dear God, we know this is how you have ordained it. We do know, dear God, and we're convinced in your heart that you will return for us, that you will give us new resurrected bodies. We know, dear God, that we won't someday have to wrestle and deal with sin. But until then, the question still remains, how do we live? And so, dear God, we ask that you would give us understanding. Bend our hearts toward you like only you can. Cause us to know you. And so, dear God, we ask for illumination now. Fill our hearts and our minds with thoughts of you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
So here's where we are. This is you and I. This is those who have placed faith in Jesus Christ. This is the person who just got saved this morning. This is the person who, who's been saved for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, however many years. This is what we're guaranteed. We have God's Holy Spirit living in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I believe it is, says it this way. Verse 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? It goes on to say in verse 20, For you have been bought with a price, And then Paul says that we should do something. He says, therefore, glorify God where? In our bodies. Remember this morning in the Gospel of John where Jesus said to his disciples why he was sending his helper, his Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit was going to bear witness of God in the life of that individual. This was God's way of still proclaiming to the world. So when people look at Patrick, somehow my life should point them Towards God. Is that fair to say? And I can say that because if the Spirit of God is living in me. And bearing witness of what God is doing in me. Then people shouldn't really see me. They should see Christ living in me and through me. Correct? And I got to be careful with this because... Well, you'll see, you'll see why in a minute. Now, I kind of set you up this morning. Here, I can, and I gotta be careful because I don't want to teach, was it licentiousness? Giving people a license to sin? You know, I can just kind of live how I want it and still, I'm still safe. (laughs) No, no, that does, that, this doesn't give me permission to do that. What this does, though, is when I sin, what does it cause? It cause, cause what? Loss of fellowship. So I'm going along, and um, I, 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 I buck my toe. And that old flesh raises up into me and I say, filth, flour and filth. I let some words fly. The Spirit of God living in me does what? Was that? Yeah. 
starts messing around with me. Patrick, now you know you shouldn't be using those words. Well, come on now. Conviction comes, and I say, oh, God, I am so sorry. That was that old flesh rising up in me again. I thought I'd buried that old man. I thought I'd dealt with that. God, thank you for showing me how much I need you. And when I confess, because Ephesians 4.29, for example, says, let no unwholesome word proceed from out of your mouth. And I call it what God calls me. I'm restored back into fellowship. So this doesn't give me a license to just tell everybody and their grandma off and then say, well, I'm going to heaven anyway. No, no, this kind of gives me an advantage in that I'm made aware of sin and now the Holy Spirit holds my hand and says, Patrick, come on, let's make it right. Let me keep, let me keep showing you, let me keep pointing you back to God. Turn with me to First John. First John chapter 2. The author is fighting some false doctrine is running around in the body of Christ at the time, in the church. And here's what he says in 1 John chapter 2. Well, let's just read it in context. Verse 18. We're heading to verse 20, but let's read verse 18. He says, children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that is the last hour. They went out from us. That's those who are Antichrist. But they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out. So that it would be shown that they all are not of us. Hold on to your seat. Look at verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you all know. John's reminding the believers, he says, you have this. You have God's anointing. You have God's spirit living in you. And there's no reason to be concerned about all this false doctrine. He says, you have God's anointing. Unlike the sister who was telling the church this morning about the anointed collard greens. We have God's anointing, His Holy Spirit, His in-house tutor resides in us. I made a statement earlier this morning, and it basically went like this. It is my responsibility as a Christian, if I can find my note. It is my responsibility as a Christian to make certain that I am being filled Every day. So that where I go, no matter who I come into contact with, I am able to splash out on them 
the reality of what God is doing inside me. Before we finish 1 John, Luke 6.45, well, let's, let's not go there yet. Um, again, this was me prior to salvation. I'm going to bring this just a little closer. That's right. This is me prior to salvation. Empty void. At salvation, according to Ephesians 1, I'm now filled, sealed. I can't lose anything here. I can't, I can't become unsaved. I, I could sin. I hate to tell you that. I could sin. But the Spirit of God living in me says, Patrick, no. I think though a lot of times we stop here. We kind of get stuck here. And, 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 and John, according to what he says in 1 John, he says, you have the anointing. You have God's anointing and from the Holy One. And you know, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar, but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, John goes on to say, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which he himself made to us. Here's the promise. Eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you, John goes on to say. And finally in verse 27, as for you. The anointing. The anointing which you receive from him abides where? In you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things. And is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you. You now abide in him. I said this morning that I believe that God wants us to take this to another level. To kick it up a notch, the way we walk. As a matter of fact, Paul says in Ephesians, he says, I implore you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to walk in a manner. How do we walk here? How do we run the race here? Or is there more to it? Over and over again, listen to, to some of the other uh, uh, encouragements from our dear brother uh, Paul. Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. This I say and affirm together with you in the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. 
Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. Therefore be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise. How on earth do we do that? Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul says it another way. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 and uh, 21. Now for as many as, for as many as are the promises of God, in Him they are yes. Therefore also through Him is our Amen to the glory of God through us. Verse 21. Now He who establishes us with you in Christ Sorry, now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. Over and over again, Scripture is just riddled with, with reminders of who we are in Christ. We saw this morning in the Gospel of John where Jesus in his final uh, night with his disciples, he says, listen, I'm sending help. You have help. He's going to be living in you. He's going to be with you. Listen to what Ezekiel chapter 36 says. Uh, he, he, God promising. He, he's, Ezekiel is a really weird book. No, I shouldn't say weird. It's just one of those fantabulous, fantabulous books to read. But listen to what he says in Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26. God is speaking. God says, moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you, sorry, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Ladies and gentlemen, let me let me let me tell you what I I really believe God's God's wanting us to 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 to, to be reminded of. Some of you probably know this already. John says that the anointing which we have from God. Says as for you, as for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. And I'm going to use this. Good night. This is heavy. Here's you or me, for that matter. Let's see if we can do this properly. That's you. Sealed. That's salvation. You got... You're sealed up in Christ. With the Holy Spirit. That's what the text says, right? Ephesians chapter 1, 
Verse 13 and 14 says we've been sealed. We got a little fire insurance. We know if we die, we're going to go to heaven. We've been made aware of sin. We're continually being made aware of sin as we go about. But how do we walk? How do we run this race? How do we conduct ourselves in a way that's going to bring glory to God? And how do we fulfill what Scripture says? Because he says, as he abides in us, we now are to abide in him. My responsibility as a Christian is to continually, every day, allow myself to be filled with God's Spirit in such a way that everywhere I go, everyone I meet, that I am able to splash out on them the reality of what God is doing in me. He says, abide in me as I'm abiding in you. I was convinced in my heart this afternoon that the service started at 6 o'clock. It's 5.45 and my wife is in bed. Four children are in the bed and they're all saying, Daddy, just watch this one last race with us. We like track and field. Oh, daddy, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. I said, no, but church starts at 6 o'clock. At 5.45, I get out of the house. I'm coming from out east. And boy, listen, I want to stand up on that gas pedal. And it was as as if I got up. Uh, Patrick, (laughs) yeah, what you doing? Trying to get to church. Yeah, but you're breaking speed limit. Oh, sorry. So I get to the traffic light. Now, I timed it. Now, remember with Mona Lisa, we timed what it would take to get from High Vista Drive to Doctor's Hospital. And we've been able to do it in about five minutes. That's catching all the green lights, honest. That's not running traffic lights or anything. But that's right at five minutes. I get to the first traffic light and guess what it's on? Red. In the left lane, there's this car that's just smoking. I guess he was fumigating everybody. And in the right lane, there was somebody putting on their stuff. And I was like, this is just great. I got a caprank in one lane and someone who's just not paying attention to the traffic in the next lane. I'm going to be late. <laughs> Lord, what are you trying to do? You, I, I got to be to church on time. This isn't going to look right. Green light. Nobody's moving. The car in the lane sputters and turns off. I go into that lane and I pull off. Now, in my flesh, I, I wanted to look over to that person in, in the next lane. and You know how we give them the look without sinning, right? Any, anybody been there? Yeah, yeah. 
you kind of kind of give him a look like you know stupid. Fortunately, the person didn't look my way, so I didn't get to convey the message. But I'm driving along. This is just this evening, and I get this, Patrick. You need to get your heart right. But Lord, I'm late. I can't be late. It's already six o'clock. I was doing the fatherly thing. I was doing the husbandly thing by trying to spend some time with the family. And look what it's cost me. At this point, I'm passing the entrance to City Market, Harbor Bay. And I realize that I'm going a little bit too fast. Well, actually, that's not true. I was made to understand that I was going too fast. And again, the Holy Spirit in me, wanting to cause me to live in such a way that I bring glory to God, says, young man, you need to slow down. Can I be honest? Is, is it okay to be honest? Sometimes I don't like the Holy Spirit telling me what to do. God loves me the same way he loves you and I am so 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 thankful for his Holy Spirit that causes me to want to walk in a manner that's pleasing but if I wasn't abiding If I wasn't fellowshipping with him in his word, if I wasn't constantly learning of him, if I was not spending the time in his word, if I wasn't enjoying the corporate worship service, if I wasn't fulfilling the command, for example, in Timothy that tells me to study, to show myself approved, and I continue to be here, guess what I would have been doing this evening? I'd have been breaking every speed limit just to get you at 6 o'clock. Now, I made it here at 6.03. I pull in the parking lot, and I get a fright because there's a bunch of cars in the lot. And as I pull into the slot, who should pull in behind me? Pastor Winley. This is a bit embarrassing. Not that Pastor Winley was pulling in behind me, but because I was fussing the Lord the whole way down. See, it's me trying to serve you. That I, You're making me late. Surely I should be allowed to break the speed limit because I'm getting here to do your work. You know, I had to sit down in that car. I had to sit down in that car and allow God to take me out to the woodshed, so to speak, and get me together before I came in here to tell you how to live. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for. Constantly bringing us back into line. Back into fellowship with God Almighty. Luke 6.45. Listen to what it says. You don't have to turn there. It says, the good man out of the good treasure 
of his heart brings forth that which is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth that which is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Another translation puts it for the out of, for the, for out of the overflow of a man's heart, his mouth speaks. If I'm not constantly here, allowing God's word to fill me, to teach me, to cause me to be able to walk in a manner that's pleasing. Listen to what 1 Timothy uh, 3 says. Um, if I can turn there, I'm just, this, this is just... 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. In the chapter before, verse 15, he says, Be diligent to present yourself Approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed because he's accurately handling the word of truth. Let me tell you something. God has done it all, hasn't he? He sealed us in Christ with the Holy Spirit. But there is a responsibility on our part, ladies and gentlemen. Our part is to be so soaking here in this word. So being filled, constantly being filled. Now, when this happened at salvation, this isn't repeated. This is a one-time event. This gets me in the game. <laughs> what John is talking about in verse 27 is, how do we keep on keeping on? How do I now get in an argument... And still give God glory. How do I find myself in a situation? How do I find myself dealing with the issues of life? And the question we want to ask ourselves is, do I want to deal with it here? Or here? Scripture says that thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin. Against thee. All through the scripture. We see mankind being pointed. Back to the word. Psalm 119 for example. Listen to what he says. How can a man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to. Your word. Verse 25. My soul cleaves to the dust. And he acts. He says revive me. According to your word. My soul weeps because of grief. And he pleads. Strengthen me according to your word. 
May your loving kindness, he goes on to say, also come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. He goes on to say, I sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me, the psalmist says, according to your word. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Over and over again, verse 76. Oh, may your loving kindness comfort me. How? According to your word. I am exceedingly afflicted, the psalmist says in 107. And he asks again, revive me. Revive me. Keep me alive. Sustain me according to your word. Sustain me according to your word in verse 116. Over and over and over again. And that's just for one chapter. Ladies and gentlemen, 1 John says, The anointing which you receive from him, you all know, says he abides in you. And as you abide in him, listen to what it says. As for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, And just as it has taught you, you, you abide in Him. I can live here. Don't ever pick up my Bible. Don't ever go to church. Don't fellowship with believers. Have no consideration for my spiritual growth. At best, I'll be a weak Christian. But here, and here, ladies and gentlemen, I believe is where God wants us to be. As He has promised and guaranteed that He's abiding in me, He now challenges me to abide in Him. Here, this doesn't take away pain this doesn't take away the arguments this doesn't take away the bad news from the doctor this doesn't take away suffering it now gives me power to cope See, here, the world doesn't see me. They see Christ truly living in me. 
here, I can rejoice in difficulty. Here, I can go on the school playground, and even though they tease me and call me all sorts of names, I can still give God the glory. Here, I can, I can deal with not having the finances. Here, I can deal with the uncertainty of life. Here, I'm reminded that He will never leave me nor forsake me. Here, I'm reminded constantly of Christ's return. Here I am open to what God wants to teach me. Here, I can handle temptation a whole lot better. When I'm abiding in Him, as He's abiding in me, I can go on the computer. I can go on the internet. And even though the temptations may come, I can say boldly and with confidence, no. Here I can look in the face of adversity and say, God, I'm afraid. But here is where I feel his embrace. This does not negate any of the negativity of life. It helps me to be able to cope and still be able to give God the glory. Does that make any sense? So what's the big deal? My responsibility, my responsibility as a Christian is to make certain that every day I am filled, or I'm being filled. And not just filled, but filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, so that as I go about, I may splash out on someone, anyone, the reality of Him on those who I come into contact with. Here, this is my favorite one. Nobody can get to me. And if they do get to me, had to been sifted through God's hands first. That's here. It's when I'm abiding.
I can keep his commandments here because he now strengthens me. The reality of this illustration is you don't see me anymore, do you? You see God. You ever been around some people who it seems as if disaster, adversity, tragedy follows them, but yet somehow they're able to uh, maintain their good, a good spirit. I like talking to Pastor Tom every once in a while. He and I get to talk and he tells me often of how much of an encouragement it is for him when he goes and visits some of the sick and the shut-in here at Calvary. How much of a blessing it is for him to sit and talk with some of the saints who cannot make it out to church on a regular basis and how Instead of him encouraging them, they're encouraging him. You know what? They've been abiding. Things have slowed down some this summer. You don't have the busyness of having to get children to school, having to get into traffic. Got some free time, don't you? If there is such a thing anymore nowadays, free and time. Can I challenge you? Can I challenge you? Take this and open it. Get to know, begin to know. We pray, God, tell me your will. And I believe sometimes we pray that prayer with all sincerity. We pray that prayer, amen, and we go about our business never, ever, ever, ever thinking about maybe there is a responsibility on our part. Do you know God can show you His will right here in His Word? So you got a jacked up marriage. Or you got a jacked up relationship with a child. Or a grandchild. So you got a Messed up relationship with people at work. Do you think God's word may be able to tell you how to deal with that situation? Could it be that God's just waiting for you to get in here so he can show you? What his will is for you in that situation? Why he has placed you there? Could it be? The point is, we won't ever know until we... Open the book. Get to know the God of this Bible. As a matter of fact, according to 1 John, he says, that is what his anointing does. It teaches you. He teaches you about all things. Even if it means making you slow down when you're late. Even if it means making you go back into the bedroom after you've had an all-out breakdown row and you have to go back in there and say, sorry. I was wrong. All scripture is inspired by God and it is profitable. It is good. But we don't know the goodness of it if we don't open it. I challenge you, which one will it be? The jello pack or here?
How do you walk in a manner that's pleasing to God? How do you want to walk it? In the jello pack? Or here? How do you handle the storms of life? Do you want it in the jello pack? Or here? When I'm abiding here, nothing happens in my day. Nothing happens in my day that comes as a surprise to God. So I blow a tire. I can now say, well, wow, God, that's a blown tire. I can rejoice and say, God, I don't know what it is you're saving me from. I don't know why you're slowing me up, but I'm going to give you the praise. I'm going to give you the glory. About 10 months ago, my wife said to me, Patrick, I think I'm pregnant. I am so glad I was here. <laughs> because I could have said, you what? How did that happen? As if I didn't know. We handle things of life differently here. And it starts with you being right here, abiding in him, in his word. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We praise you for your word. Father, I pray that the illustration you gave me brought glory to your name. I also pray, dear God, that it will cause us to want to live a life that's pleasing to you in light of who you are in light of your empowering us to walk in a way that's pleasing to you. Father, like Paul prayed, I pray that um, you would fill us to overflowing with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that when we leave here tonight, dear God, we're able to walk in a manner that's pleasing to you and we're able to stand firm in the knowledge of who you are that we're able to bring honor and glory to your name by our behavior. Father, we all run a race and we're all desirous of wearing that crown. Cause us, teach us, O God, to be winners for your honor and your glory. Father, now take your word. Sink it into the good soil of our hearts that you've been preparing all day, all week. Cause it to grow and bear fruit again for your honor and your great glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I dismiss you, there is a word of caution. Some of you are going to go home tonight right, and say, hey, I'm going to give this thing a try. Understand, there is a war going on, and Satan will do everything he can to prevent you from getting in this book. Don't give up. Don't give up. Press on. Press on. Press on. Amen? You're dismissed.